Welcome to the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast, episode number 72. My name's Christopher Luff. I'm one of the co-founders of Lima Charlie, and I will be your host. On today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Nas Benterchali, one of the community members behind the scenes of Lowell Drivers and Sigma. Hello, Nas. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Yeah. Hey, man. Happy to be here. To get things started, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is Nas. I'm a security researcher currently at Nextron Systems, where I do a little bit of a detection engineering and threat research. I've been in the security industry for a couple of years now, almost seven years. And uh, yeah, I currently maintain one of the maintainers of the Sigma project. And I also have some other projects such as Lost Drivers and other shenanigans around, around that, yeah. Just curious, as such a prolific technologist, what initially got you interested in technology and how did that turn into a passion for detection engineering? Well, to, to be honest, I, like from the start, I was always interested in everything related to computer science. It, it all started, as I believe everyone from my generation who got interested in computer science with video games. So like the video game aspect helped a lot and uh, I, I truly wanted to understand like the, the computer science aspect. And then during my university course, I got really interested in the cybersecurity space, which led me down the path to blue teaming because I started my career as a pen tester and I found it interesting, <laughs> but not as interesting as detection engineering. So yeah, I've been spending my time sharpening my skills around detection engineering and it's a really fascinating subject that I really find myself interested in. I did see on your LinkedIn a quote from Albert Einstein that went, once you stop learning, you start dying, which I thought was quite lovely. Do you have a penchant for physics or are you just a fan of Albert Einstein's genius in general? I'm a fan of Albert Einstein, of course, but yeah, I've, I have a, a real passion for quantum physics specifically and everything related to that. So yeah, I, I'll do quite, quite a reading on, on quantum physics to this day, actually. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's really interesting. And do you uh, extend that into quantum computing at all? Is that sort of yeah. where the line of thinking yeah, goes? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Into quantum computing. It all started with the idea, uh, I believe we all read that blog around like quantum computing is going to destroy crypto or whatever, so. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it recursively analyzes every possibility at the same time and only returns the correct answer, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. It's hard to imagine what a world would look like where encryption didn't work anymore. Yeah. I don't know, but it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> totally, totally. So as you mentioned earlier, you work on a bunch of community-focused projects that provide a ton of value. I'm sure there's lots of that time that's not paid. What drives you to do this kind of community work and give back? Yeah, well, mo most like I have a utopic world where I really like people sharing. I know it's, it's a utopia, as I said, but I really like sharing stuff. That's why I, I started my blog in the first place to really like get the information out there, even though sometimes I do research on something that's already available, but just having that different take from somebody else, I always learned in that way. For example, you read a blog from someone and you, did, you don't understand the idea, but the same idea when described by someone else gets through you. So I like this approach of sharing knowledge and, and everything related to it. And specifically on the Sigma aspect and detection engineering aspect, I'm really fascinated by like detection based on community because 
I truly believe that sometimes we redo our each other works. Everyone internally is working on something and they cannot share. So that's the aspect or the motivation behind it is to truly share the knowledge and everyone else can benefit from it. And yeah. Yeah. And sometimes different people have different approaches that can then in turn inspire you to yeah, exactly, do yeah. something a different way. Yeah. That's a really great attitude for that. So one of the projects that you mentioned earlier that you work on is the Lowell Drivers. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that project and what inspired it? Well, the, the original idea behind the project, I believe, came from Mike and uh, Casey back in the day. And I really jump-started into the project when Mike really contacted me because we had like a Sigma rule. I did some research on some like available hashes regarding to the drive variable drivers and there were like 100 hash or 200 hashes on that Sigma root. So like Mike spoke about, he wanted to create this project. So I jumped on the boat <laughs> and provided like the idea to provide maybe detections such as Sigma for free on that project. And we really kicked the bucket under that because low drivers, what it actually does is it's a collection of vulnerable or malicious drivers that We've seen this trend of bring your own variable drivers like it's very up the hill right now. And yeah, the idea started to, to showcase to the community or basically to the, to the world at large that drivers are really an important aspect that most of the time gets ignored. So collecting them all in a specific location and providing contacts around that. So for example, in all drivers, we provide not only the drivers themselves, but everything related to it. So for example, any exports, any functions, the hashes themselves, detections in multiple formats, Yara rules to, to go hunt for that. So that's basically the gist of it. It's, it's like a repository where variable drivers are collected that you can use to defend yourself from. And at the same time, attackers can use, so you better be <laughs> fast. The kind of attack you're talking about there is Attackers targeting a driver version that has a known vulnerability or something like that? Is that how those attacks work? Yeah, basically, low drivers is there is like a driver that has a vulnerability. And that vulnerability is either known to us as a consumer or known to the attacker itself, or he does the work to discover it. And that driver is trusted. So it most of the time is a driver from a, from a I don't know, from a computer company such as Dell or HP or a driver from a known software, such as a video game or whatever. And those drivers are already trusted. So that what happens is, even though you require administrator to load the driver, the interesting aspect is it gives you sometimes kernel privileges. It's like you can, you can easily have super privileges very quickly. Okay, we've seen like ransomware bring their own drivers. Basically what they do is they write a wrapper around it, like to target it via the IOCTL, IOCTL, and then they use like a specific function. Such function might be uh, the ability to kill a process. And that ability to kill a process will obviously be targeted as the, at the EDR itself. So that's one aspect of living off the land. So the, the low driver project will compile every potential vulnerable driver either known or used in the wild. So we're trying to improve on how, to, how we, we can find or detect newer drivers, but basically we're trying to collect those drivers and those drivers can be used by the attackers to target specific functions to achieve a specific effect, such as killing a process, deleting a file, escalating privileges to super privileges that will allow you to 
kill all your detection systems in a quick manner and then do whatever you like on the system. And so if somebody wanted to, they can kind of subscribe to your repository and use it as detections for their organization. Yeah, that is like that in the repository and even on the website, lolldrivers.io, you can you can go specifically to drivers or you can download like det- already built detections. So if you support Sigma, there is Sigma. If you support Yara, there are Yaras and there are many more. Yeah. Very cool. I'll make sure I link that in the show notes. And then the other project I wanted to talk about, which I think all of our listeners are probably very familiar with, is the Sigma project, which you're a maintainer of. But to hear from the source, can you tell us what Sigma is and, and what that project's about? Sure. So I'm, I'm very passionate about Sigma. So if I, if I spoke for a little while, you can stop me at any time. Oh, no, but... please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I'll get from the, from the start. So Sigma started from the idea, basically, that one time Florian and Thomas were working on incident response and writing detection for specific CMs and uh, doing that work repeatedly for different types of CM was kind of irritating because you're, you work on a consultant job, you write a detection in a specific query language, and then you switch to another incident response, and then you write it in a different query language. But the detection idea basically is the same. So the idea was to create like a format called Sigma in a very uh, human-readable form because as we've seen across the years, like detection queries are very specific and they have some intricacies that sometimes have a very difficult learning curve or at least an average, diffic- averagely difficult learning curve. So basically, Sigma takes that approach, abstract it, and you can express your detection or your idea of hunting something inside of a log. So think of any log you can think of, like Windows log, firewall log, I don't know what else. But you can, you can search, basically you can do a grab, but write it in a more readable format and share it. So Sigma, like it's composed of two things. There is the format itself and there is the library. Back in the day, it was called Sigma C, but nowadays it's called Pi Sigma, which is the newest library. So what it does is once you express your detection in that format, you can pass it through the library into a pipeline and it gets converted automatically, basically, to any targeted backend. Now, There is a caveat that most people think that Sigma is magic. No, Sigma is like the library. It converts stuff, but it requires what we call a backend. And those backends usually are provided. You can find companies that provide those backends, but are community driven. So if you know like a good enough your CM, you can write your backend and then you can automatically convert, uh, I don't know, the detections to many backends. The idea behind it right now is like it can be used for specifically MDRs. So if you're a managed detection and response service, and you have multiple ingestions pipelines from different types of source or whatever, you can ingest them, write the detection once, and convert it to many, many different aspects. That's the general gist of it, yeah. You guys are writing those rules in YAML, and then you provide that converting engine so that people can output it to their different backends. Yeah, yeah. The main, like the main source, the main repository for the Sigma community is on Sigma HQ, and you might find like different people who provide their own rule. Like the only difference is basically the Sigma HQ make sure that the standard is respected and everything related to that. But it's like a community-driven project. So basically, if you see something interesting, like a threat described on a, on any blog, like the Differ report or any blog out there, you wanna you wanna detect it and you want it to detect it in a generic way, in a shareable way. So you write it in YAML, 
and you provide some metadata metadata around it, like such as the description, what it what it does, what's your expectancy, is it false positive prone, is not is it not? And then you put it out in the repository via a pull request. And basically anyone can grab that detection, put it through the Pi Sigma pipeline, and convert it to any of the available backends. So for example, if you go to the to the Pi Sigma GitHub project, you will see at the end that there is like a, a table of comparison. Which which are the available backends? So there is like Splunk, there is Elastic, there is a, a, micro, a basic one for Microsoft Defender, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, Lima Charlie actually offers Sigma rules as a one-click sort of ingestion into our platform, and we convert them for for our users. It's a very popular project. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, I did see in a talk that you recently did with John Hammond, you were sort of demonstrating editing Sigma rules. That you guys even have a Visual Studio plugin to to make it easier for people to write these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been we've been actually revamping the the whole Sigma project because over the years, like the Sigma project has a like a community behind it, and that community like grew and sometimes and grew. I don't know if you can say that, but like the community is growing. So basically, we wanted to get more people into the the project. One of the things that we did is we created like a uh, a VS Code extension. That VS Code extension is really cool. Why? Because one of the aspect of any query language, basically, even though Sigma is YAML and is very human readable, sometimes people find it difficult to get started. So basically that Sigma extension would provide is it's provide auto-completion and it provides you with a basic template of any Sigma root. So uh, this, in a general, just like a Sigma root might have a title, a description, a detection section, a log source section, that extension will provide you with auto-completion. Like for example, for the for the description, when you write a description that's too long or too short, it will give you a warning. If the title is, I don't know, not correct to the standard, it will show you, hey, by the way, this is not. If you provide an, an unknown or in, uncommon log source, it will tell you, hey, by the way, this is uncommon. So, yeah, that's one of the, I, I believe, one of the most useful. If you're using Sigma, you should have that extension. It's very useful. Yeah, I'll link that as well in the show notes just for anybody interested in getting going here. Yeah, I uh, we went through that fairly fast. I'm not sure if there's anything else you wanted to talk about. Uh, there is like the, the new website. So okay, yeah, yeah, the new website of Sigma, which is which is pretty interesting for everyone using Sigma. So basically, if you're using Sigma from a from a documentation perspective, because there are many people, I know many people like like to use Sigma from a documentation perspective. Some of them like to write it in a generic format. But one of the things we kept hearing is that. Where do we find the documentation? What is the Sigma standard? What are the available fields? What are everything related to that? So basically the new website, what it does is, is consolidate all that information in a single link. So instead of like back in the day, you would go to the Sigma repository specification to get specification. You need to choose a branch. You need to go to the Sigma repository. But now with this website is there are even tutorials like I don't know, you could learn how to write Sigma rules, learn about the specification, uh, and everything in between. So yeah, that's 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 something pretty excited, exciting that we're, we're excited about. And yeah, we have many more things down the line that will help a lot of users, and especially in the community of detection engineering, like validation and everything in between, yeah. Very cool. In this, please don't take this as a criticism, but one thing that I've heard when applying the community rules en masse to an organization, like if I'm a new MDR trying to set up, uh, it can be quite noisy. 
Do you guys collect any stats on false positives or anything like that to help people tune those rules? Or is that sort of part of the trade-off with, with using the community rule set? Well, yeah, that, that basic, that's, by the way, many people say that this is a bad thing. It's, it's actually a known thing, but many people don't know about it. Like the Sigma rule repository, it's community driven. And yeah, many, like when you're in a company or an MDR or whatever, you might have clients to validate those detection, but like the community driven project, we do like, it's not a best effort, but we do the best we can. For example, if you look at the CI pipeline of the Sigma project, it uses like a repository called EVTX baseline. What it does is basically this repository was created by us. We open our VM. We click, 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 generate as many good logs as we can. We compress those logs and provide them as donation. And then we validate the Sigma rule on those detections to reduce the false positives. And there is also like uh, Nextron, we have a, like uh, at Nextron, we have like a testing pipeline because we ingest them and we provide our testing into, back into the Sigma. So we find false positive, we, we try to tune it. But yes, let's say, a, unfortunately, it's a very difficult problem to solve to try to tune false positives for everyone. But what we try to do is, and we encourage the community, if you, for example, even if you don't know how to write Sigma, you can go to the Sigma repository and on an issue, you create an issue and say, hey, by the way, I find this or this triggered on my environment. What will this help us is there is like a false positive section back on the Sigma rule below that tries to describe cases of false positive. And there is like a status on, on, the, on the Sigma rule that tells you if this uh, rule is experimental, is it test, is it stable? And like basically the rule goes through many iterations to try and to, 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 to get it to an acceptable false positive rate. But yes, without correlation sometimes, which is coming by the way, but without correlation, you cannot reduce the false positive rate. But what we tried to do, for example, we released uh, packages, rule packages recently on the Sigma project. The idea behind it is to try to reduce people from taking everything on the Sigma project and ingest it at once. Because that's one of the common mistakes. Like, no matter the amount of false positive tuning that we try to do, there is always going to be some effort to be done by the user itself. So we try to encourage the user to ingest the rule at an acceptable pace. And we try to, for example, like the last year or so, what we try to do is to revamp the whole rule section or description to provide more context. So for example, if you go to rules right now, we try to be very specific with the language. We say this detection, it doesn't detect process dumping, but it actually detects proc dump with these specific flags. So now you have a, a like a knowledge, if you say, oh, process creation can be bypassed, of course, but that's not the point of the detection itself to, how do you say, co cover everything. But you as a user, you have enough information to, to, to tune it and to have correct expectations. So you know the coverage that you're taking. And additionally, we try to provide, for example, okay, this rule might trigger false positive, but it has a low level. So it is not meant to be alerted on every time. Yeah. It's those kind of things we try to do. And yeah, that's, that's why sometimes we get on, on heated debates, by the way. It's because it's, a, it's like it's a, a recurring thing. Like the more people provide feedback, the more the rules are robust. But it's, yeah, it's a very difficult problem to solve, unfortunately. Yeah. For sure. And with that metadata, it's up to the users to kind of make the decisions on how much they want to value that rule and the detections that are fired from it. Exactly, yes. Yeah, that's very cool.
So this is the last one I have for you. It's the one I ask of everybody that I have on the show. It can be as wide or as narrow as you want. Do you have any predictions for the future of cybersecurity? Mm. Some predictions. One of the things that I am uh, a believer on is actually regarding to detection itself. So the, the reason that I am uh, such a fan of the Sigma project isn't because I love the Sigma project because I use it in work or whatever, but it's actually the idea behind it. Because one thing that I don't like to do is not write rules a lot, especially rules that have been written by someone else. Okay? So my prediction would be that detection would be free to use and the pipelines around them or the way to ingest those detections is the real deal. So a lot of people are selling detections or providing a number around detections. But what I really truly believe is that projects like Sigma or similar, providing this like uh, rudimentary base or like basic base of detections will elevate everyone else around it. So basically it's not the number of rules, but as you said, the false positive issue is a really, a really big, big issue. So how do we tune it? How do you, how do we uh, find things around it? Well, that, that would be the discussion of the future because now we, we, we might be discussion, discussing like, for example, coverage or process creation or may, you might be not like, for example, are you using ETW that can be, that can be patched or you're using kernel hooks or whatever. But the idea that I have is those detections actually are for everyone to use. Like we, should, we, we don't discuss detections because a detection idea, okay, there are some detections that are unique and require a lot of work. But basically, if we reach that level of uh, sharing, which is a utopic world, but, <laughs> but if we reach that level, we, we, the next step of the detection is how do we build pipelines to reduce that false positive? Because one of the things, for example, that we've discussed in the community recently, which is we want to build like a project to tune false positive because false positives, are. some people might think they are unique, but they are not. They are related to behaviors and products. And those behaviors and products, yeah, they might be unique for your organization. But if you took like a step back and look at the whole of organizations, you will see that there is a lot of repetitive work. So a lot of people are tuning the same false positive across the world. So a person in China is tuning the same false positive as someone in the United States. And for me, this is an issue because we're not tackling the, the, the correct subject matter. So if you look at the red team like curve, they're advancing at a rapid pace with certain like stuff or certain attacks or techniques, but we're still even discussing how to ingest, even though the issue started like 20 years ago in CMs or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a cool aspect to think of. Thanks so much, Nas. This was a really fun conversation. I appreciate you coming here and, and sharing with us and, and also for all the work that you're doing out in the community. You know, we we're big proponents of that at Lima Charlie and, and really like to see that kind of effort where we share the load on these things, like you said, where we don't need to be doing the same thing over and over again. Amazing. Thanks for having me, Matt. It was a pleasure. Okay. Take care, awesome. sir. Yeah, cheers. And that concludes this episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future topics, please send an email to defenders at limacharlie.io. You can access the intel we talk about on the show in real time and join the conversation on the Lima Charlie community Slack channel at slack.limacharlie.io. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with someone or leaving a rating or review. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode.